This week on Geeksplain, we're covering the top five DC Rebirth stories from the past two years. Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we explain it. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is all about DC Rebirth. Uh, for those who don't know, 2016, two years ago, DC kind of soft-rebooted their continuity uh, with the Rebirth line. They took away, it was kind of the uh, course correction from the New 52 which was a much more harsh reboot of the DC Universe that happened back in 2011. Uh, New 52 was not without its uh, faults, and there was a lot of uh, critical and fan backlash to the New 52 stories. So Jeff Johns and the rest of the creative teams at DC kind of presented Rebirth as a return to form. Uh, they teased a lot of elements from pre-New 52. They teased a lot of characters that would be coming back, fan-favorite characters. And they really marketed it as, this is us, this is kind of like our apology for the New 52. So uh, DC Rebirth number one came out. Uh, it was, from my personal experience, it was amazing. I uh, really enjoyed it, and for... Um, for comics, I think it was kind of a big deal because whether you uh, whether you love it, whether you hate it, the Watchmen were introduced into the DC universe. Watchmen is a critically acclaimed book from back in the '80s, back when uh, comic books were kind of on the decline, and they needed a shot in the arm. And Watchmen, uh, along with a couple other books that came out around the same time, really provided that shot in the arm for the comics industry to continue to what it is today. And incorporating those characters from such a genre-defining story, I think, is a step in the right direction no matter how you look at it. So, anyway, uh, Rebirth was, like I said, a soft reboot of the series, kind of setting everyone on, on a new course and really getting us ready for what would be coming next in the uh, DC stories. Uh, Jeff Johns took the reins. He said he had a two-year plan. Uh, as we can kind of tell now leading up to uh, the story Doomsday Clock, which unfortunately is kind of being, uh, kind of trudging along because the initial um, release schedule didn't pan out and it went from a monthly book to a bi-monthly book. It's a 12-issue maxi-series. I believe we're on issue 4 or 5. So we're a little under halfway there and um, we're probably not going to get to it to the conclusion of it for a while here. But either way, um, the DC Rebirth Initiative was set for like I said, two years. So now that we are two years in the future from uh, the launch of DC Rebirth, I thought it'd be a cool thing to look back on the past two years and list off my top five stories from the DC Rebirth era. Now, disclaimer right here, these are my top five personal stories. I have been uh, keeping my eye on a lot of books through uh, the DC Rebirth relaunch, uh, and some books kind of slipped through my fingers. Some books I didn't really uh, get the time to really jump into, uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws being one of them that I've heard many, many, many good things about, and I am looking forward to hopefully getting back and reading through them and getting caught up on that at some point. Um, but these are my top five. I looked through them, and these are these aren't technically uh, DC Rebirth books. These are just uh, story arcs, and my 
Uh, <laughs> my rules for this were that it had to be at least three issues and it had to really be an arc that I personally enjoyed and that kind of brought forward what DC Rebirth promised, which was uh, bringing back things from the past and paving the way for the future. So I picked five. These are in no uh, specific order. Um, I also thought, you know, we are coming upon the uh, six-month anniversary for the podcast. Uh, the podcast was officially launched back in February with our first episode, the top five comic books you should be reading. And I figure, you know, maybe we'll do this thing where every six months I'll go through and do like a top five of my favorite comics at the time, favorite comics that I've been checking out or whatever. So if you would like to see episodes like that, or if you'd like to see them more often, just let me know. Feel free to reach out to me. But uh, I think it's time. We'll jump right into the list. And uh, the way I've kind of set this up is I've got title. I'm going to give you a brief synopsis, a brief breakdown, uh, go through the creative team, what issues this will comprise of. So if you want to go... Uh, get the single issues to read through them, or if you want to get the trades. Trades have been wildly successful for DC since the Rebirth relaunch. And uh, you get them together, you read them, and you find another story that you love. So let's go ahead and jump into the first story. And the first story that I have on here, uh, number five, I guess, though not, again, in any ranked order, um, I should probably also uh, say that there will be... Uh, mild spoilers i'm not i don't want to spoil anything for these stories because i want you to go out and read them but uh if something slips through here and there it is not intentional and i do apologize but with spoiler warnings out of the way with uh rules out of the way uh let's jump into it so number five is superman black dawn so here's the synopsis Though Superman and his family have found a measure of peace in their adopted town of Hamilton, they've also sensed a sinister presence lurking beneath its idyllic rural facade. Something, as a visiting Batman and Robin are about to discover, that is stripping young Jonathan Kent of his powers and pitting neighbor against neighbor, hero against hero, and father against son. Soon the time will come for Jonathan to choose. Will he follow his father into the light of truth and justice? Or will this boy of steel be forever warped by the corrupting powers of darkness? So there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Superman Black Dawn is one of those stories that you don't really realize the importance of uh, really when you're reading through it. But when you get to the end and you look back kind of at everything that comprised of it, you really see that this is a seminal story. And for me, the... Superman run that just ended by uh, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason really, for me, is one of my defining Superman um, runs. You can look at stuff like uh, like All-Star Superman or Superman Birthright, Superman for All Seasons, these stories that really take the essence of Superman and put it on full display. But those, for me, have always been um, kind of lacking because as good as they are as stories, and they're phenomenal, they're amazing. Check out any of those three stories. I just recently reread through uh, Superman for All Seasons again. And um, the thing that bugs me is that they're, they're, um, they're limited. They're finite. They have a story, they tell it, and that's it. But for the uh, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason run, it's a full run of comics. It's 45 issues from them. And it's I can't remember a time that I had a better experience reading through a Superman run issue by issue by issue by issue than I did with Tomasi and Gleason's run. And this is really, for me, kind of a, uh, a best of when it comes to these stories. So um, this deals with Clark, Lois, and their young son, John. That's right, Superman has a son in the comics. Uh, really dealing with life on the farm, really, because uh, they live in a rural farm kind of town called uh, Hamilton County. 
and they are basically giving John the Smallville experience, the Smallville treatment, because John is still a young kid. I think he's like 10, and he's learning about his powers, learning about his place in the world, and learning about what it means to have Superman for a dad, just as Lois and Clark are learning how to be parents and how to uh, control... And I mean not control, but like to nurture and to um, really take care of a son who's still experiencing his powers for the first time. So this story, I'll jump into the uh, the logistics of it, is uh, contained in Superman issues number 20 through 25. That's 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, because I can count. Uh it's done by uh, writing duties as well as some art duties are uh, by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, though this arc saw a lot of art contributions from Doug Monkey, who is insanely good and uh, is going to be jumping in with uh, Peter Tomasi on uh, Detective Comics here pretty soon. So definitely check that run out when they start uh, going through it. Um, but this, this story really... F- shows a uh, really shines a spotlight on the Kent family as well as the Hamilton County in which they live because the first up to this point the first 20 issues were really focused on um, really defining that relationship of the of the family unit between Clark Lois and John uh, learning you know Clark has never been a father before so he's learning how to be a father um, he's learning how to teach young John about you know, the values that his father instilled in with him. And through these past 20 issues, they've really been kind of hyping up how Hamilton County really isn't all it seems to be, that there's something lurking there, that there's something different there. And uh, what I like is that this arc really is a culmination of uh, previous issues. All the previous arcs up to this point, uh, all the way from issues one all the way up to this point on issue 20 uh have really been kind of building to this idea that there's something lurking out there there's some uh puppeteer pulling the strings really hyping up like this is going to be the arc where we get answers and at this point we've gone through superman reborn which is this story arc just previous to this where they've been kind of lining up uh, rebirth along with New 52 where they kind of did a soft correction with the timeline basically making the uh, pre-New 52 Superman who was the current Superman uh, line up with the New 52 Superman and kind of melding them together, melding their timelines together and making one cohesive sort of uh, solid timeline and this whole time We've been wondering, you know, how is this going to affect John? How is this going to affect the family dynamic? How is this going to affect Hamilton County? And Hamilton County, which is, you know, that idyllic uh, small town area with, you know, neighbors. And John has this crush on this little girl, you know, is the their neighbor. And her and her weird grandfather are definitely, like, hiding something. And this was just, like... This was a turning point for the series because at this point they decided, hey, we're going to move back to Metropolis. And this was kind of the last hurrah for the Hamilton County as a set piece. And I really enjoyed it. And we really got to see more of John's character growth. You saw in the, uh, or I guess you heard in the uh, synopsis that this is a real turning point for John's character development because. As much as we all want to believe, you know, he's Superman's kid, he's Lois Lane's kid, he has a certain measure of knowing right from wrong, he is still learning just like we all are on our journey in life, and he hasn't decided who he's going to be yet. So this story really provided the vehicle for John to make that choice and to be to, to decide who he's going to be going forward. We also got some amazing interactions with uh, Batman and Robin who are making a guest appearance for this uh, this episode in the lives of the Kents and seeing John Kent and Damian Wayne is always a treat uh, if you haven't checked out Super Sons or the newest uh, iteration of that called Adventures of the Super Sons definitely check it out it's amazing their interaction is uh is just just the best <laughs> they're they're really great and seeing how the fathers interact and how 
different, yet how similar it is to how the uh, sons interact is really cool. And you get to see uh, Batman and Robin kind of get folded into this uh, into this story of this greater overarching narrative that um, Superman, John, and Lois have been in from the start. We also, for this arc, get the return of a classic Superman villain, one of my personal favorites. If you go back and you have listened to any of the episodes, you might get a hint of what villain that is. Um, specifically if you check out the SDCC episode, but check them all out. Uh, but he makes an appearance here. He's wonderful as always, and he's a treasure. He's just a fantastic character, and his interactions with uh, with Superman, and especially John, are really, really good. But this whole... I mean, I hate to say, like, check out this, issue, this arc specifically, but this is really great. And the whole... Uh, Superman run by Tomasi and Glees, and I touched on it just a second ago, really redefined what Superman is, not just um, as a comic book character, but also redefined who he is to his peers in the actual world of DC Comics. Because being a father, being a husband, like this is some of this is new ground for him, and he's learning as he goes. And this is one of those uh, arcs where you really see him get tested. You really see that this is going to be not just a test for a young Superboy learning how to uh, decide what his fate is going to be, but for Superman, who is in uncharted territory and is really learning to be who he is now so overall amazing loved it check it out again superman uh issues number 20 through 25 you could also pick it up in a volume uh it'll be uh, superman volume 4 uh though that does add on uh issue number 26 which doesn't really connect to the story overall but yeah, go check it out. It's amazing. Now, number four is going to be a little bit, dif- a little bit different. <laughs> so number four is Nightwing Must Die. And here is the synopsis. <clears throat> As the original Robin, Dick Grayson has long lived in the shadow of Batman. But now, as Nightwing, he's finally his own man. He has a new city to protect in Bloodhaven, and a new love in his life, former villain Sean Sang. But someone doesn't think that Nightwing is quite the hero he could be. They've sent a twisted doppelganger, Deathwing, to Bloodhaven to kidnap Sean, sending Dick on a globe-spanning chase to get her back before something terrible happens. Together with current Robin Damian Wayne, his partner from his brief stint as Batman, Dick must stay one step ahead of an enemy who seems to have all of his skills and memories. But when Nightwing finds out who's pulling Deathwing's strings, he'll realize the shadow of his time as Batman might be too long to ever truly escape. Huh, so this is a this is a bit of a different story from uh, from the past one. Uh, Nightwing, the initial run by uh, Tim Seeley was one of my favorite books. It was a book that I picked up every single time it was up on the shelf. And since Tim Seeley left the book, I haven't really been keeping up with it, uh, which is a shame. But I love Tim Seeley with Nightwing, with just Dick Grayson as the character. He really has a handle on Dick as a character, and he really knows uh, what to go with him. So uh, this this arc, Nightwing Must Die, is uh, issues 16 through 21 uh, is written by Tim Seeley with art by Javier Fernandez. And as a side note, Javier Fernandez is a killer artist. I love his art. I really enjoy just the unique quality that he brings to the book. And I I just think his blend of the blend of his art with Tim Seeley's writing makes for an excellent story. And Speaking of that story, Dick Grayson has really taken strides uh, in this series. He moved back to Bloodhaven. Kind of, it's never really touched on that he came to Bloodhaven, but in the story, he's kind of coming to Bloodhaven, quote unquote, for the first time, and he's kind of establishing himself away from the Bat family, away from Bruce's watchful eye, and really 
kind of building up his own uh, rogues gallery, his own allies, and you get to see just what's going on in his life. And I really enjoy those kind of stories where someone steps out of their comfort zone to find out who they really are. And part of stepping outside that co- stepping outside of that comfort zone is um, is dating a former villain. Uh, Sean Sang, formerly known as the Defacer, is uh, his love interest in the story. And she she's a really interesting character because we've seen her uh, in one manner or another in the past. But we really get a spotlight on her in this book because she is the kind of the head of this therapy group of uh, former kind of D and E list villains who have run afoul of Batman and or Robin and or Nightwing in the past who are trying to who are kind of like in a support group to move on with their lives. And it's really interesting when uh Dick Grayson comes to Bloodhaven, finds all these villains, and was like, oh crap, you know, I'm gonna have to file these guys, and finds out that no, they're trying to leave those pasts behind them. So his relationship with Sean Sang is immediately kind of uh, tumultuous, and it continues to be throughout the course of the series. But uh, I really like them as a couple. Of course, I'm, I mean, I've always been a uh, Dick Grayson Starfire kind of guy, but his relationship with Sean Sang is really good in this story, and the two of them together really, I think, make for a compelling romance. But um, really, this, this, the relationship that shines in this arc is with one Damian Wayne. Uh, him and Dick Grayson have always had this amazing uh, older brother, little brother uh, dynamic. And this stems from their first run together as Batman and Robin back before the New 52 when uh, Dick Grayson stepped into the role of Batman when Bruce was perceived to be dead. And it really, for me, that's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, Batman runs of all time. Because having Dick Grayson step into this unfamiliar territory and kind of being the smiling bright knight with this scowling, angry um, ball of rage that is Robin, really provided a new and refreshing dynamic between uh, the kind of, at that point, stale dynamic of Batman and Robin. And they get to reunite for the story when Sean is kidnapped and Dick Grayson has to go after her. And he enlists Damian Wayne as help and the two of them get to really team up again and i love their dynamic i love the fact that as much of a dick as uh damian wayne is as a kid he's really bratty really angry super arrogant he has a soft spot for dick grayson because that's his big brother and the two of them really work well together um this really the story also brings back a lot of those uh grant morrison-esque uh ideas and elements because uh their initial run as batman and robin was written by grant morrison and this story brings back some of those elements from their initial run which i love again because it's one of my favorite batman runs of all time getting those uh callbacks getting those easter eggs towards that really sold this for me uh this also marks the kind of re-debut of deathwing as a character deathwing is basically this uh, twisted puppet version of Nightwing who's like malicious, sadistic, and uh, he appeared, I want to say, in the Team Titans book way back when. And um, seeing him reintroduced here was really cool. Uh, and it helps just that he, that Deathwing, has the uh, New 52 Nightwing costume, which I thought was a hilarious jab at New 52 Nightwing. But overall, the story is great. It's a great little globetrotting uh, buddy cop story with two of your favorite Bat family characters teaming up to kind of fight something from their past. And again, you heard in the synopsis, like there is a secret villain uh, of all this. And when that villain is revealed, it really pulls everything together and pushes the story forward. So overall, really enjoyed it it's definitely something that if you're a fan of nightwing if you're a fan of robin if you're a fan of just the mythos of the bat family you definitely want to pick this up now number three is 
a bit of a cheat on my part. <laughs> uh, number three is the bat and cat engagement. Um, and this is kind of comprising of two separate arcs. Um, it's one of my favorite stories in Rebirth. Uh, I think Tom King's run on Batman has been really good so far, though he's taken some uh, storyline, I want to say, uh, liberties that a lot of people have either hated or loved, but I really enjoyed this aspect. So we'll jump into the synopsis. <clears throat> when Catwoman accepted Batman's marriage proposal, she changed more lives than just Bruce Wayne's and Selina Kyle's. A union between the world's greatest detective and one of Gotham City's fiercest criminals is a shakeup that will rattle everyone in the Dark Knight's life. From the young vigilantes who make up his surrogate family, to his legendary friends in the Justice League, to old demons he'd long hoped to leave behind. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, this story uh, comprises of Batman issues 33 to 37, and also issues 39 and 40. Uh, the reason we reason I skipped 38 is that it's really kind of a side story to fill the time until jumping into the uh, second part of the story. And it's a fine story on its own, but I didn't really think that it served the narrative of the actual story. So this, uh, this arc is, uh, of course, written by Tom King, as I previously said, uh, with art by Joelle Jones, who is amazing, and Clay Mann, who is also a killer artist. Uh, this story, the engagement, uh, really, this part of it covers uh, two separate arcs, which is the rules of engagement and super friends. Um, I, I had a lot of trouble uh, pinning down a, uh, a story from Batman. I knew I wanted to do one from Tom King's Batman run, but I really had to look back over it and i enjoyed so much of his run that i really had to uh think about which ones i would put up for this episode i enjoyed the war of jokes and riddles i really enjoyed that i enjoyed the opening uh arc i am gotham uh it's just there's so much good stuff but i chose this because it was something that i i really think is a genuine development in Batman's character. Um, at the end of the previous arc, uh, not the War of Jokes and Riddles, but just prior to that, uh, Batman officially proposed to Catwoman. Uh, they were going to get married, and this kind of spun out of that. We were, again, jumping into uncharted territory, but with elements of the past bleeding into elements of the future. And this provided, again, really genuine development for Batman as a character. He's stepping into unknown territory. He is uh, really jumping headfirst into this idea of uh, being a fiancé and soon to be a married man, especially uh, soon to be married to a criminal like uh, Selina Kyle. But I'll go over the, uh, the two that I would or the two arcs where rules of engagement is kind of the <laughs> is kind of a tried and true uh story you know you have a um you have two people who are gonna get married and one of them has a child who his mother is not the person who the person is getting married to so he kind of as a parent and as one half of a parental duo has to go and tell the other parent that they're getting married and i, I i'm trying so hard not to uh not to spoil it but i don't think this is a spoiler so i'm just gonna go ahead and say it so in uh in rules of engagement uh batman seeing that now he is going to be married to selena kyle decides that because he has a son named damian wayne uh he should probably inform the mother of his child that he is going to get married which means going to nanda parbat which means talking to talia al ghul and so we get a really interesting story because this also uh within the story he also reveals or 
has Alfred reveal that uh, he's getting married, and you see Dick Grayson, uh, Jason Todd, Duke Thomas, like they're all like, um, what? What's happening? So you get their reactions, you get Damien's reaction, which I thought was really interesting for his character. And you get, you know, Batman doesn't go alone to talk to uh, Talia. He brings Selina with him, and you get some incredible banter between Selina and Talia. And it's just, it's a really good story, and it's a really good uh, introspective look on Batman's character. But also what I really really enjoyed was uh kind of part two of this which is the super friends arc where batman now that he is engaged to a super criminal he needs to let the two you know other closest people in his life outside of his bat family know what's going on which means superman and wonder woman so uh super friends comprises of issues uh 36 and 37 and then 39 and 40 36 and 37 is uh it's date night so you get (laughs) it's a story basically about a double date between bruce and selena and clark and lois and all of the nonsense that ensues because of it and you really get a look at how good of friends clark and bruce are and i love that i absolutely love that because this really sells the story that like this is really happening you know this is going to be some genuine development for him and bruce's best friend clark is going to be there for him and then uh issues 39 and 40 are a little bit more um uh, I guess I would say controversial because uh, this these two issues deal with uh, what's called the vow and in that story uh, Bruce and Diana are called upon by someone named the gentleman who has been fighting this horde of demons um, in another dimension protecting the earth from these demons and he wants a break so he calls in a favor from Bruce and Diana to stand in for him while he goes on a vacation. And it's an interesting introspective on Bruce and Diana's relationship. And it's a really, really good introspective on how Selena is um, kind of her thought process on now that her being, her, who she's going to be a married woman soon. And really how much that's going to change her life. So... I would also, I'm also going to cheat again and uh, tag in uh, the Batman Annual number two with Art by Lee Weeks. Uh, it's just, it's one of my favorite Batman issues I've ever read. Ever. Um, it's just, God, it's so good. Um, check that out. It's wonderful. Um, it's basically kind of a look into the entirety of the uh, Batman and Catwoman relationship. Uh, before Batman number 50 came out and kind of give us gave us another retrospective look at their relationship but that's like a nice little addendum that comes off of the end of the story that I would check out for further reading uh, it's again it's a it's a story that provides unknown territory for Bruce as a character and I love love when a character who has everything together like bruce often does is kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool and has to work his way out of it whether it's you know fighting ninjas from the league of assassins or learning about what it's going to be like to go on a double date as a married man so that one i definitely check out um again issues 33 through 37 issues 39 and 40 and the annual number two now before i get into uh number two i want to apologize i i'm sure you can hear i sound really stuffy uh (laughs) my allergies have been killing me the last couple weeks so i do apologize that um it's just kind of that season here in la um flowers are blooming sort of summer's getting really weird and um we have a cat now in our apartment that we've been having for the last couple months and the cat is getting used to me and i'm getting used to the cat so (laughs) my allergies have been on fire and hopefully they will clear up soon but um yeah so just wanted to put that out there again if i sound really stuffy i apologize um so anyway uh number two is the button and uh we'll jump right into the synopsis from here 
During the unforgettable events of DC Universe Rebirth, Batman found a mystery even he can't begin to solve. A strange, blood-stained, smiley face button embedded in the Batcave wall. All analysis suggests the button is not of this universe, so where did it come from? And who left it here? These questions only the Flash can help answer. Wally West warned the Flash of an unseen force influencing our world, distorting histories, pulling the strings, watching all, and the strange yellow button could be the key to finding it. So, um, there is... I feel like I say this for all of them, but there's a lot to unpack there. Um, this is... I would say kind of like the sequel to uh, the DC Universe Rebirth number one, because uh, this is kind of the next next step in the story, and um, this takes place across uh, Batman issues number twenty one and twenty two, and the Flash issues number twenty one and twenty two. Uh, the writers on this were the main writers of the series at the time, that being Tom King and Joshua Williamson, with art by Jason Fabok and Howard Porter. So this story is really DC Rebirth moving forward. Um, we had kind of that first year of these stories coming out and us really getting the uh, kind of the status quo of where those characters are now, but we really didn't get kind of answers that the original DC Universe Rebirth special put in front of us. We didn't really know what the next step was well this is that next step so uh this is a follow-up on the watchman elements in the dc universe rebirth special uh as you heard in the synopsis batman during that special found uh the yellow smiley face button from the comedian from the watchman universe and he has just been analyzing it trying to figure out what's going on with it since then so what i really like about the story is Yes, it has that mystery element. Yes, we're getting answers, sort of. Uh, yes, we're getting touches on um, other universes, classic characters. But this is really an exploration on Barry and Bruce. So this is before Bruce has um, has proposed to Selena in the in my previous pick, but he is still kind of on that course and. He, you get to really see something that I don't think is touched upon enough, and that's uh, Bruce's respect for Barry Allen. And the fact of the matter is they're very similar. You know, they had tragic pasts where they lost parents. Uh, they both committed themselves to solving crime, whether that be through uh, fighting people in the streets or being a forensic scientist. And the two of them are ordinary men under extraordinary circumstances. And you really get to see Batman kind of uh, praise Barry Allen for being kind of a kick-ass uh, detective. And really, you get a couple lines where Batman's just like, you know, I like to think that if I was a better person, I'd be Barry Allen. And that speaks volumes for Barry Allen as a character. Um, I'm more of a... Uh, wally west guy myself but uh barry allen does have something to bring to this story and it's really intriguing seeing the two of them team up um do, 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 just checking through my notes um this does have universe altering ramifications we do have the return of fan favorite characters three i can name off the top of my head that i don't want to spoil for you um though if you look in official solicitations or previews you will see at least one of them but uh, just these characters are some of my favorites in all of DC Comics. And having them return, even if they're just for cameos or for um, brief appearances, really, really for me sells that initiative that they were saying of taking elements from the past and having them impact the future. And this story, I, I just I want to jump into it. I really want to dive into it, but I can't spoil it because it's so good as a story. It's only four issues. Uh, you can pick it up as a like a hardcover called Batman the Flash, the button. Uh, it's really good. It has some 
really cool concept art with it as well i ended up picking it up as well just because i really wanted it in a collection that i could check out and again this is like the next step of the story you know you get the initial uh promise for the dc rebirth event in dc Re- universe rebirth number one and the button is part two the button is slowly starting to push away some of the shadow and the fog to reveal what's going on and this really is the um this is the prelude to doomsday clock which is going on right now uh by jeff johns and gary frank uh definitely check those out because that's again the next step in the story so it goes uh dc university worth number one then the button then doomsday clock uh you could pepper in a little bit of um superman reborn and a little bit of our next pick as well if you'd like but um yeah it's it's just a great story and a great character retrospective batman has one of the for me one of my favorite moments in all of batman's history in this book um it's he interacts with someone from his past that i don't think he or I, as a reader, ever expected him to truly interact with, which I just thought was so, so cool. But um, if you're intrigued by the story, pick it up. Definitely check it out. Um, this is something that I think would be better if you read DC Rebirth uh, number one first. But just, they're so... It's such a good story. And uh, the Batman and Flash runs on DC Rebirth have been two of my favorites. Uh, Joshua Williamson continues to really redefine Barry Allen as a character, as a flawed character as well. And Tom King, I said on the uh, the last pick that he is he is really uh, defining Batman in his own right of how he sees the character and how he thinks the character should be moving forward. So um, the button is amazing. And for my last pick, um, I will preface this with saying that this is a personal pick, and you may not agree with it, but it is my podcast. So (laughs) Um, my number one pick, uh, again, this is in no particular order, though, I mean, this if it was in a particular order, this would still be near the top, um, is A Lonely Place of Living. Uh, It's part of Detective Comics, and we will jump into the synopsis right now. It's the story you've demanded. Where in the world, or otherwise, is Tim Drake? Red Robin faces a crossroads, escape the most devious prison ever devised, or find himself abandoned beyond time and space for all eternity. Not much of a choice, right? But when he finds out just who is locked in there with him, Tim's world will begin to change in ways he never imagined. This is one of the biggest stories of the Rebirth era, setting the stage for an explosive Detective Comics epic. So this um, is a really personal pick for me because I loved this Detective Comics run by uh, James Tynan IV. Um, This specific story, Lonely Place of Living, uh, comprises of Detective Comics issues number 965, 966, 967, and 968. And those four issues are some of the best issues in this entire run. Uh, as I said, the writer is uh, James Tyne in the fourth, with art by a team of artists that I'm going to try to list all here. We have art from Eddie Barrows, uh, Eber Ferreira, Raul Fern- Raul Fernandez, sorry, uh, Raul, and uh, Alvaro Martinez, and the four of them really come together to make this um, just stand out when it comes to the Bat books. Uh, Detective Comics since Rebirth has been really incredible. Uh, I hate to say it, but I jumped off after uh, James Tynan left the book but i got a stunning recommendation from uh malcolm uh back in tucson arizona he is the uh he's the guy to go see if you're in tucson you want to check out an amazing uh comic shop go to heroes and villains on uh broadway and swan definitely check him out i know malcolm listens to the podcast what's up malcolm um to check out the uh he gave me this amazing recommendation to check out the current run of detective comics and uh it's being written by brian hill i listened to a podcast recently with him on it 
being interviewed by Malcolm. Uh, and it really, it gave me the kind of the green light to go check out his run. And um, it's it's still quality stuff, guys. <laughs> so Detective Comics has been one of the, um, just one of the best books to come out of Rebirth. And one of the reasons why is because it contains my favorite Robin. Uh, that being Timothy Jackson Drake. He is my favorite Robin. I think he is the best Robin. Um, I want to, I would love to do a ranking episode of the Robins in the future. So if you would like to, uh, if you would like to listen to that, if you would be interested in an episode based solely on ranking all of the Robins, I would love to do that and let me know. Uh, but yeah, this this uh, arc specifically features Tim Drake. Uh, in a previous arc, he was thought to be killed by a drone strike, and pretty soon after that, we discovered that he wasn't dead, but that he had been transported to this prison on, in another world, and he has been kept there by uh, Mr. Oz, who is a mysterious figure who has kind of been overlooking the dc universe since back in the uh, new 52 days and this really furthered the mr oz mystery because tim finally breaks out of his cell and comes upon other people in this prison and the characters that he runs into really for me kind of reshape and recon recontextualize really what's going on in dc both in just Rebirth and in their universe as a whole. Uh, we also get a spotlight shown on the relationship between Batman and Robin. Uh, we get to see how important Tim is to Bruce. I feel like, especially since uh, Damien came on the scene, Tim has kind of gotten the shaft more than once. And he is an amazing character who is definitely worth worth your time and worth the time to spotlight so this is what i would say um this story is exactly what i kind of picked out immediately when i was thinking of this list and coming up with my uh, arbitrary rules because this story really does is informed by the echoes of the past as well as the future and really pushes forward what's going to be coming both in detective comics and in the dc universe as a whole uh, this story really goes further down the rabbit hole in a sense when it comes to this mystery behind who mr oz is what other worldly forces are going on why he was kept as a prisoner in the first place and we get a really cool callback to elements of uh jeff john's teen titans run that i really enjoyed and we get the reintroduction of Tim Drake back into the fold, and I'm always there for that. So this story, in general, is really just a sign of what's to come. This plants a lot of seeds. Like I was saying in the uh, the pick beforehand, if you kind of set across all of the DC Rebirth uh, books, and you kind of pick out DC Rebirth, DC Universe Rebirth number one you pick out the button i think this stands right next to it along with superman reborn on peppering in those ideas of not only what's going on but what's to come in the f in the future of these stories uh we have seen in the upcoming uh heroes in crisis story that's coming from uh tom king and Clayman that uh tim is going to feature again and i'm really excited to see him again at the forefront of a book so uh yeah this is this is something that i immediately recommend to everyone um i think if you are looking for a book definitely pick up this run uh i would say you will get a little bit more out of it if you know a little bit about tim drake and you have followed the story if you have been reading the uh, Detective Comics book from the Rebirth relaunch, you are going to get a lot out of it, a lot for your time and a lot for your money. So I would say pick it up, and it's featuring you know the best Robin. So you can't you can't go wrong with that. And I will fight anyone who says that anyone is better a Robin than Tim Drake. So um, yeah, that is that is it for me. That is my five. Uh, just to recap, we have uh, Superman Black Dawn. 
We have the uh, Bat and Cat engagement. We have the button. We have Nightwing must die. And we have a lonely place of living. Uh, I also took the time to put uh, links to all of these books in Amazon. Um, the only one that I would recommend you kind of, I don't know, kind of are wary of is actually the uh, the volume of detective comics that has a lonely place of living because it also contains issues 963 and 964 which are issues kind of focusing on stephanie brown's spoiler and anarchy and they don't really have anything to do with the lonely place of living volume but uh check them out check out all the links in the description that'll take you to amazon and you can purchase them all you want uh, you can also go to any of your brick-and-mortar shops and uh, just pick up the volumes or pick up the single issues as well. They're definitely worth your time and worth a read. So that does it for this episode. If you liked this episode you want uh, more top five lists, uh, please let me know. I love to do lists like this. I love to really take a look at what I'm reading and see what I would recommend to other people. So if you want to request any lists, if you want to request any future episodes for the podcast, you can reach me on a couple different platforms. Uh, this is where I shamelessly plug myself. So on Twitter, uh, you can tweet at me. You can give us a follow. Would love that. And... Um, you can give me any kind of feedback. I love feedback at uh, at Geeksplained Pod. That's at Geeksplained P O D on Twitter. Uh, definitely check us out. And then you can also send me emails because I'm an old man and I read emails still. Uh, you can send all of your emails, uh, nerdy content or otherwise, to geeksplained at gmail.com. Uh, I respond to all emails that are sent to me. I have really been getting a lot of good feedback. I've been getting a lot of. Um, interesting uh episode requests so i will put them on the list i'll continue to work my way through the list of requests for episodes and hopefully i'll be able to bring them to you in a timely manner so that we can all enjoy these nerdy discussions because i really love being a part of them so that will do it for me we will catch you again next week uh same bat time same bat channel so for Geek Explain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>